not fair. He's getting extra time to research. <laughs> no time to research. Give me your phone. <laughs> <Okay. laughs> no more time I'm, to research. I'm looking up the Purdue turn depth the, chart so I have up, more content. There's no depth chart to question this week, I promise. No, like for the... Okay. I won't be salty. There's also like no okay, we're looking, service back here. This so. is this is the intro to the podcast. Let's keep it like this. Are we recording? Let's keep it. Let's keep it. Why not? You might have heard the third voice. This is the Goshen News Sports Podcast. Austin Huff. Evan Lee Pack, as always, and we have Dylan Sin from the Fort Wayne Journal Gazette to do a little Notre Dame Purdue preview later in the game. Later in the game? Later in the show. Later in the game that is the podcast. And then we are going to do a trivia game. Yes, Dylan, say hello to the fine folks. Uh, hello, fine folks. Yes, welcome to the podcast. So, you have to awkwardly sit there now for 30 minutes while Evan and I talk about the local preps. There's no way it's going to last that long. Unless you, unless you have <laughs> some amazing last, like, analysis about uh, any of our football teams. Which you've never seen play before. So, according to your show notes, I've heard Westview tennis is just continuing to roll. Yes, Westview so. Westview uh, boys tennis is very good. We will get to them in a little bit. So, sit tight, Evan. Evan and I sit tight, Dylan. Excuse me, Evan and I have to get through the rest of this podcast somehow. So. <laughs> okay, uh, Evan. Football Friday, week four in the books. We were uh, at varying degrees of competitive games on Friday. Uh, you were at. 44 nothing Concord shutout over Wawasee. Uh, the game was pretty pretty much over about a quarter in, I would say. Is that a fair assessment? Yeah, it's a fair assessment. I mean, Concord did what they expected to do. That's what Craig said after the game. Right. It's clear that Concord has the athletes that Wawasee just couldn't keep up with. And that's basically what happened. I mean, yep. Dutton threw four touchdown passes. Three of them were to three different receivers. I mean, I will say that most of them were easy because the Wallace secondary uh, did its best uh, disappearing act during, <laughs> during during the game. But uh, yeah, it was it wasn't good for Wallace. Um, I will say they recovered a kickoff return. There's a fumble on the kickoff right out of the second half. Start of the second half, they were down there near the near the 13 yard line. Concord, they're driving, looked like they're going to get on the board, and then fumbled the ball away, and mm. then. Hackworth from Concord right away. Like, the whole next drive, they just went, shoved it down their throats running the ball. So, mm-hmm. he did. Yeah. He looked good, too. Yeah. He, he had over yeah. 100 yards, a couple touchdowns. A lot of people are going to look good against Wallacee this year. Right? No offense, but maybe some offense to the Wallacee football team. It's They're struggling, obviously. They haven't really looked competitive in any of their four games so far, other than the West Oval game. And West Oval has kind of struggled in its other three games that they haven't won when they right. beat Wabasee. Um Yeah, so that, that's a good win. Concord just needed to take care of business, and they did. And uh, they get Goshen this week. Uh, Goshen coming off a 17-7 to loss to Northwood. Tell you what, the Goshen defense is playing the hearts out, man. They are flying around. Roman Schrock is having an unreal season at linebacker. He's had 37 and a half tackles in the last two games he's played against Mishawaka and Northwood. That's pretty good. If you look at look at my paper, is that is that good? Yeah, is hashtag that good? good. I think yeah. that is hashtag very good. Um, yeah. So he's 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 kind of balling out, and he's actually playing running back well too. You know, developing into that role. Can he uh, play quarterback? He might. Well, Can they don't need a quarterback. Throw I the think. Pig skin around? I, I think. I don't think they need a quarterback. I mean, the Goshen offense is so infuriating to watch, I and mean, I've watched them every game now. Um, and they do some nice things, like they move the ball, like pretty like well at times and you know they had like three or four drives reached the Northwood like 35 yard line on Friday and then they just you know false start or a holding or interception or something like a sack like something stupid happens and they lose all that momentum 
and then they can't get it back, and they have to punt or it's a turnover or whatever. And you know, Kyle Park, the Goshen coach, afterwards, you know, he was he was really emotional. Like that's the most fired up I've seen him in a while. He's like, I'm pissed, man. Like he, you could see it kind of in his eyes. Like he was almost getting teary eyed. Like he was getting fired up, emotional, just because like they arguably should have won that game on Friday. They played good enough defense, and, and Northwood give them credit too. They played good defense, made the plays when they needed to, and. The, you know, the Northwood offense also moved the ball well down the field, had some issues at times, didn't convert a couple fourth downs. But, you know, Northwood played well enough to win the game. I'm not saying that Northwood played bad by any means, but Goshen was right there the whole way, had a chance, like multiple chances to either tie the game, take the lead, whatever, and they just couldn't get over the hump. And, you know, Park was like, I don't know, you know, what to do. Like, not, he didn't say that, but he was more like, you know, we, we can't play offense and defense well at the same time, it seems like. Like, our defense plays great. They're, it's like they were flying around. They were playing awesome. But we got to stop shooting ourselves in the foot, you know, on offense, man. Like, and so um, he took a lot of ownership of that, which was good to see, you know. You, you uh, heard him say, like, you know, that, that this falls on me. Like, I have to do something to fix this. And so it's, I mean, kudos to him for owning that, you know. And uh, I don't know what you can change. Like, I don't know what you do differently in practice. I'm going to ask him about that uh, for our football preview later today after we tape this podcast. Um, if there's anything that you do different in practice, do you watch more film? Do you spend more time on certain drills? I don't know what. Um, yeah, it, it should be uh, – Goshen and Concord, I, I think Concord is going to win. They have the more talent, like the talent in offense, and they have a great defense too. Uh but I think Goshen, just their defense can help keep them in games enough to where if that offense ever figures it out, if it ever clicks, like Goshen might have a chance to, you know, hang with a Concord or Northridge this year. I'm not, I'm not ready to say they're going to hang with Warsaw yet. Like, that's a whole other animal. <laughs> but um, we'll see, right? We'll see. I don't think they'll hang with Northridge either, to be honest. Well, it depends on how healthy Northridge is. So that's, yeah. that's key. That is key. Northridge, and then Northridge also goes to Warsaw this week. That's never an easy game physically on the body just because Warsaw plays that triple option offense. They're coming off a huge win over Mishawaka last week. They're in control of their destiny in the NLC. So is Northridge, obviously. They're 4-0 overall, 2-0 in the NLC. Took it to Plymouth. Would you say this is a different Goshen team than years past? This is a different Goshen team. than This is the best Goshen team that I've been here in my fourth season, and I know that's not saying much. Because the last three years, they went 1-8 and eight or whatever. One win and however many losses. And by default, technically, they have two wins. So it is the best team, by default, that I've seen here. They'll but like, go up to four, just physically, probably. on the field, they are the best team that Goshen has had in four years. Easily. What's the one game that they consistently win? The first game. Doesn't matter who it is. Two okay. years, three, first two years was Fairfield. Last year was Clay. This year was Fairfield. So they've been losing to Wallacey as well? Yes. Well, I think that's going to change this year. That, I'm pretty confident. Like, I'm not going to guarantee it. I'm not going to make that prediction in week four, five before a week nine game. But I'm feeling pretty confident Goshen will beat Wallace this year. Mm-hmm. And they should beat Plymouth. Yes. They should, they should be four, four and five. Be they should be four and five. They can sneak an upset, go above 500. That's what I'm saying. Like, that was why that Northwood game was so big for them. Like, they were right there the whole way. If they win that game, they have a legitimately very good chance to be above 500 this year. So now they got to really hope they can pull an upset over Concord, Warsaw, or Northridge. Who are their, uh, I think those are the next three games they play. So good luck. Um, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how they how the rest of their season kind of unfolds here. You know, they're so close. It feels like they're so close, right? They haven't won a conference game in four years. Can they finally get over that hump? 
you got to think they will hopefully against Plymouth and Wallace at yeah. a minimum. But can they beat a good team? Maybe beat someone they're not supposed to beat, right? That's going to be the that's going to be the question these next couple of weeks when they play Concord, Warsaw, Northridge. So should be interesting to see. Um, elsewhere around our area, Fairfield finally get on the win column, 51-12 over Fremont. Uh, Fremont is one of the worst teams in the state, according to the Sagarin rating. Um, just wow. going by numbers. Um, so they Fremont, did, did Fremont, what they had to do. Fremont lost to Osceola Grace, uh, the homeschool team, 49-26. Um, it's just a fact. It's just These are just numbers. I'm not saying anything. These are just the facts. These are just the facts. Um, but, hey. Kudos to Fairfield, right? They went up there and did what they had to do. Jonathan Eastep, 231 yards, rushing three touchdowns. Uh, you know, Fairfield, they played three tough games. You know, they had Goshen, South Bend Adams, and Central Noble right out of the gate. And, you know, Goshen and Adams aren't necessarily good teams, but they're 5A schools compared to Fairfield as a 2A school, right? So you're playing up in the competition. Central Noble is off to a good start this year. They're kind of a surprise team. They're 4-0. Uh, they could easily – they're going to be easily probably be 6-0 before they their schedule really toughens up at the end. But, um, yeah, so, you know, Fairfield's probably a good, good feeling to get in their, you know, get that winning taste in your mouth, right, um, so to say. And now they get to play West Noble. Winning taste. <laughs> right. They got the losing taste out of their mouth. Now they have a winning taste. They Jeez. get to host West Noble on Friday. West Noble coming off a 38-13 loss to Angola. That should be a close game. It West should Noble, be a close Fairfield. game. I, I, I think I'm going to slightly favor Fairfield, but – you know, West Oval has some has some nice players, so Don't you never sleep know. on the Chargers. They'll win by a fifty yard field goal. I mean, Messias could make a fifty yeah. <laughs> yard. Julio Messias could make a fifty yard field goal. That's not out of the question. Um, so yeah, that's an interesting. That's an NECC Big Division game. So that's obviously you know has a little more at stake uh, in terms of that. And uh, our other area team, Lakeland, they lost twenty eight nothing to Garrett last week. Had seven turnovers in the game. That'll do it. That's not ideal. Quarterback uh, Deion Marshall threw five picks. Not great. Um, it was like he was playing with his eyes closed. I, he must have. I don't know. Or credit to Garrett for maybe putting up a great defensive scheme. I don't know. But uh, Lakeland goes to Angola on Friday. That's going to be a tough game. Angola, like we just mentioned, beat West Noble by 25 last week. And uh, the Hornets have been one of the better programs in the area, in the NECC at least, the last couple of years. So, uh, in theory... It's not going to go pretty for Lakeland, I think. But, hey, that's why you play the game. You never know. So, maybe yeah. Deion Marshall throws five touchdowns this week. They need to break out the wishbone offense. Who? Lakeland. Why not? <laughs> why not? Triple option, maybe? I mean, if you're having that little success throwing the ball, right? Run the ball all the time and see what happens. So. I mean, if defenses aren't used to it, it can be a very effective offense. Yeah. So, I've seen. Yeah. So, yeah, obviously the game of the week for us, Northridge at Warsaw. That's a big game. Determines pretty much who's going to be in the driver's seat of the NLC. Uh, you know, Concord's still 2-0 in the conference as well. So, you know, um, whoever wins Northridge-Warsaw, like I mentioned, they're, they control their own destiny, right? And that's that's what you want to – only Northridge-Warsaw and Concord control their own destiny right now. So one team will not be able to control their own destiny by the end of the week for the NLC football championship. So – should be a fun uh, fun Friday night. Some interesting games. Week five. Week five. We're almost to the half. This is like the halfway point, mm-hmm. right? Midweek of week five. This Wednesday is the halfway point of the football season. Time Regular just season. flies by. When you're having fun, it's right? crazy. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's shift to the cross-country scene. Nor- the Northern Lakes Conference finished up, well, the boys at least finished up their regular season Super Duel meets. 
on Tuesday night. And uh, Goshen boys are the NLC regular season champs, 14-0 super dual record. And Northridge was second, 12-2. Their only two losses being to Goshen, once last night at Warsaw, once in the first super duel at Oxbow Park. Uh, but shout out Northridge senior Jack Moore set a Northridge school record with, uh, with a time of 15:23 last night. A blazing time. Won by 30 seconds. That was unbelievable to watch. Uh, you know, for the last year or two, it's been Drew Hogan, Cole Johnston, Tommy Claxton up top for Goshen. Uh, so to see Jack Moore not only win, by, but win by that much, that was really impressive to see. He said he just started fast. Like, he's, you know, he started fast a lot during uh, track season. Obviously, he had a great track season, was sixth in the 3,200-meter run at state. So kind of following that up now across country, he was like, you know, Hogan, Johnston, Claxton, they always do a strategy of running together up top, and I knew if I got behind them, I wasn't going to be able to get past them. So I just spread it at the start. I pretty much spread it the first mile, got the lead, and, you know, never looked back. So Where'd they race at? It was at Warsaw. Warsaw High School has, like, a field that they run in that's right next to the high school. So Do they run in circles, or is it no. at, at least a little course? It's a course, Yeah. It kind of loops around. It's an interesting course. You, like, start, and you, like, kind of run in through some woods and then out of some woods and then through other woods, and then, like, you come back the other way around. So it's kind of interesting. That's fun. But... I was just curious if it was easier or harder than the one I went to at Lakeland. Because that I, dude from Angola finished first in the 15s as well, mm-hmm. from what I remember. So it's yeah. pretty, pretty well, good. Well, obviously, I mean, Isaiah Sturry, he's... Probably jogged and still finished at fifteen forty seven. <laughs> I mean, he's that good. Yeah, I mean, yeah I'm not sure uh, how hard he was running. Yeah, and more, more. That's probably what Moore's peak is. You know, fifteen twenty three. Like if he runs anything near that the rest of the year, I would be surprised. Like if he 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 could still run fifteen thirty, fifteen thirty five maybe, but fifteen twenty three. That would if he gets that again, he's going to be like top ten, top fifteen at state. So that would be something to watch. Um, so we'll see how that goes, how he keeps that up, but. Uh, and the girls were halfway through the race last night, and then lightning struck literally and uh, caused the race to be stopped mid-race. That's awful. Like, could you imagine running like a mile and a half and then being like, "Yep, you're done." Like, sorry, sorry, come back tomorrow. <laughs> like, yeah. So, uh, so we will determine an NLC regular season girls champion Wednesday night tonight, right after this, right after the taping of this podcast down at Warsaw. So as soon as this ends, I'm sprinting over there. Literally, I'm going to run down there. Yes. Um, no, I'm not going to Warsaw again. Uh, so yeah, that's where we're at with the running. It was very weird last night because like a lot of the attention, you know, obviously goes to Moore for like just being an, having an amazing run. But Goshen still wins the conference at the end of the day. Like it was very strange. It was like, what do I focus on? You know, like Moore did great, but Goshen won. So it was kind of hard to you know write that story a little bit, but. But you did it. But I did it. I powered through. So, also dual scoring, dual ma- dual meet scoring is just brutal. It's so so weird. You know, everyone's running at the same time, but they're all actually technically going against each other, and we have to score like they're going against each other. Yes, yeah. it's, it's annoying. I was confused whenever I had to do a super right. dual race. If you see a team win fifteen to fifty, that means that they like dominated that team. It means they got the top set, top five individual spots. So, yeah, writing out those scores, I hope it made sense. Like, hope people reading that story knew what the hell I was, heck I was talking about. <laughs> oh, so, heck yeah. <laughs> expletive. Knew what the heck I was talking about. <laughs> oh, Sheila's going to have to edit that out. Great. Um, 
That's fine. We've said worse on this show. Um, NECC soccer tournament's going on. The Northeast Corner Conference. Uh, West Noble, 6-2 boys winners over Westview last night. That was a little bit of a surprise. West Noble is a good team. I'm not saying that they're, you know, bad. But Did West, Henry Torres go off? Three goals, man. Three goals. He's good. Dude's crazy. Where is he going to college? He has to be going somewhere. I don't know. I haven't I haven't checked in with the Torres family and where he's going yet. So Well, you should look at it. I should. I should do some investigating. Um, yeah, Westview's a good team, but, you know, they've lost a couple games. Like, their only losses are, like, big teams, basically. Like, lost to Northridge, lost to Goshen, and now West Noble. So, they're... When they play their 1A schools or, you know, equivalent, they're looking strong, and that's obviously all that matters when it comes to October, when you're playing in the postseason. But uh, kudos to West Noble. They maybe have figured it out. Had a bad loss to Central Noble last week, but, you know, beat Bethany, beat East Noble, not beat Westview. They've won three in a row. That's a team like that sectional shaping up to where West Noble appears to be the favorite. Northwood maybe not as strong as they have been in years past. You know, the rest of that sectional usually doesn't do well in soccer. Wawasee is looking rough at times this year. Angola isn't, you know, consistently strong. Um, so that sectional feels like West Noble's to lose at this point. You're never going to count out Northwood. They're always usually solid and they're always usually there. Right. But depending on how that bracket falls, maybe West Noble is, is a favorite, I think. And that's not that we don't want to get too early in the sectional previews here, but. Well, when you have a player like Torres, yeah, you could potentially be in any game. You're in a, you are in every game just because he could go off, yeah. right? He could score three, four goals in 20 minutes, and like, boom, you're in it or you're winning. So, um, so yeah, semifinals are set for the uh, NECC tournament uh, Thursday. Boys games: West Noble goes to Garrett, and Central Noble goes to Prairie Heights. Uh, and the girls' side, Westview will play the Garrett Central Noble winner. Those two teams were playing last night. Game was stopped midway through due to weather, and they are going to continue it tonight. I believe Central Noble, or it's a one nothing game. I forgot who was leading. I think maybe Garrett was. So that game was still to be decided. And then West Noble goes to Lakeland. And the finals are Saturday. Uh, girls game 3 p.m., boys game 5 p.m. They will be at the uh, – whoever the girls host is, that's who where the games will be at. So it will either be at Westview Garrett or Central Noble. So – We'll see how that goes. So thumbs up, thumbs up. Yep. Also, quickly before I forget, some shout outs. Shout out to uh, Northwood Girls Golf, Sybil Stilson, as well. Seventy three to win the NLC championship, fourth straight NLC individual championship for her. Second person in conference history to do that. Uh, joins Emily Johnson from Warsaw from 03 to 06 is the other person to do that. Uh, she missed a par putt on 18 that would have given her 72, which would have been amazing, like an even par round. She won by 11 shots. Like, every time I think, like, oh, she's like... She's playing against herself, though. You no, know, yeah. she is. She pretty much is. Like, there's no one on that course that was going to be near her, you know? So, she she's uh, taking her game to somehow maybe another level. We're going to see how it looks this week. Sectionals, believe it or not, here we go. Sectionals for girls golf are coming up. Friday, we have pretty much all of our teams... Out at Kendallville at uh, Noblehawk. No, Cobblestone. Sorry, they play Cobblestone this week. Noblehawk is regional. It's very confusing. They're right next to each other in Kendallville. And they well, have people at regionals, so mm-hmm. I'm sure there will be people right. at... So, Friday, Friday morning is the sectional out there. You have the NECC champions, Fairfield Falcons, involved. Uh, congratulations to them as well, winning the NECC tournament. 
Yeah, Billy Willard, 86, to be medalist honors at the NACC uh, tournament. So congratulations to her. What'd you say? 86 to did be the say, medalist. Did you say Billy Willard? Bailey okay. Willard. <laughs> Bailey Willard. I was like, I just wanted to like correct that to make sure. I said Bailey. Let the record state I said Bailey. I'm not hearing things. Like you're literally across from me. But. Yeah, that's <laughs> what is new. Like that's of course that's happening. Yeah. Um. So yeah, Bailey Willard. Um, Fairfield might have a chance to get out of that sectional. It's not the deepest sectional. You have uh, Fort Wayne Carroll and Columbia City that are solid. They are the favorites of the for two of the three spots as a team. And then you kind of have a cluster of all of our area teams right behind them. Fairfield, Concord, Goshen maybe could sneak in there if they play well. You never know. You never know. Uh, Concord has Concord's been trending. actually had a solid season. Concord's been trending in the right direction, so maybe they sneak as the third team. But Fairfield's playing well too right now, so maybe they get out. Um, literally, when you look at the tee times, like – you have Carroll and Columbia City and Fairfield as the final groups together, and then you have all of our teams after that. It's Concord, Goshen, Northridge, Lakeland West, Noble, Westview, all kind of grouped together right there. I don't know, you know, you would like to see one of them get out. We're almost guaranteed to get one of them out by default, just like a numbers game. Um, and then on Saturday at Stonehenge, golf course down in Winona Lake, you have Northwood. They're the favorite to win that sectional again. Wawasee is also competing. They probably won't get out, but maybe Taylor Kripe as an individual goes to regional. Uh, also, individually, Carissa Dyer from Northridge could get out, I would say, uh, from there. Maybe Raina Bossler, if she plays well, too, from Concord at that Kendall one. Uh, top three teams and then top five individuals from non-advancing teams go to regional next Saturday, the t- 25th, at Noble Hawk in Kendallville. And from that point, whoever advances out of that goes to state. Jeez. So we are down of, we are down of, to like what? So that was a lot of golf information you used through. So everybody. much golf. <laughs> so little time. Um three weeks left in the golf season. How about that? The last three rounds of the historic career of Sybil Stilson. Cause even if Northwood doesn't get out as a team, I'm thinking they're gonna she's gonna get out as an individual. So yes. uh, this is you know, they play a nine hole match tonight. But then it's sectional, regional, state for Stilson, and that's it. So, you know, this is arguably the greatest golfer in Elkhart County history, male or female, uh, to come out of the county. So this is going to be, you know, pretty historic, uh, pretty historic month stretch here. Potentially, she, she has a chance to, you know, accomplish some things. You know, be a four, three-time All-Stater, go to state four times. Uh, you know, there's some things that she could check off this next month that they ha- that no other golfer really has done in this county's history. So it's going to be interesting to see how it all kind of transpires. So we doing team shout outs. Yeah, go right ahead. <laughs> all right, team shout outs. I've done here enough talking for us this. Yeah, you know, and I'm going to do a lot of talking. No here, kidding. Uh, <laughs> Thanks, Evan. Anyway, so, first team on our list, the Westview Boys Tennis Team. Currently undefeated still, 14-0, and are ranked 15, 15th in the state rankings. Yeah. So, looking, shout out to them. Looking the, good. The Warriors looking fantastic. Semi-state bound, potentially. I would say so, definitely. And then we also have a couple uh, volleyball teams on the list as well that have been doing very, very well in the NLC so far this year. Northwood, they're 11-1, 2-0 in the NLC. Just recently beat Plymouth, and then they won the Concord invite. Can't underscore can't underscore enough how big that win against Plymouth was. Plymouth was a ranked team in uh, 4A, 
and they were playing really well. Plymouth's, you know, Wawasee, who we're going to get to in a second, their only Wawasee's only loss to Plymouth, and Plymouth's, you know, strong team. So for Northwood to beat them in three sets, and then Northwood to beat them again 2-0 in the Concord invite, like, says a lot about where Northwood. It's even more impressive. Northwood's where they're at right now. They won four matches in that Concord invite to win the tournament. So they are, as they, as you'd say, they are rolling. Yes. Plymouth must be a good team because Wawasee, that's the only game they've lost. 12-1. and 1-1 one. One the NLC, obviously, losing to Plymouth. Yep. But they've had a heck of a season so far. I've had the pleasure to see them play in person, mm-hmm. have a lot of experience, so I'm not surprised. Also, their coach is very serious. You know, Jeff Phillips, is a little, yeah. you don't mess with him. Yes. Yeah, so. He's a good guy, but he's intense on the court. Yeah. Uh, Takes it seriously. Yeah, and so. you know what? Like Those two teams right there, Wawasee Northwood, they're going to – they're on a collision course for that sectional, man. I, I know I've harped on that a little bit in the past, but those two teams in that sectional, there's not really other anyone else that's kind of playing at that level. I hope the you know blind draw gods give us Northwood while we're seeing the final because that's going to be very fun. They're going to play like right at the end of the regular season too, and then like a week later come around and play each other probably in the postseason. So that's going to be very fun to see those two matchups right near the end of the season when both teams should be playing at their best in theory. The volleyball gods are listening to you. That means they're going to mess with me and they're going to give, <laughs> yeah. give me to the first round. It's going to be like the Tuesday afternoon game. Yeah. That so, would be annoying. That would be Because very either of those teams being as good as they are, you know, t- to be set up to lose their your first, like, playoff game just doesn't mm-hmm. make sense at all. Right. Yeah. So. Look, this is a point I've been making for years, okay? <laughs> with the I mean, I don't, I don't really agree with it either. Yeah. So, so yeah, those are some teams that are, I think we're, are standing out right now. Uh, Goshen Girls Soccer, too. They are in the driver's seat of the NLC. Big game Thursday night. They host Northwood. Uh, Northwood is 1-1-1 one, one, and one in the NLC. I believe Goshen is still 3-1 three, and they're three and one, or 4-1, and one, but they beat Warsaw. And Northridge has lost uh, a game or two. So the NLC girls soccer race is all kind of jumbled up. A lot of teams with one loss in there. Northridge has a couple ties. Um, so, yeah, North. if Goshen wants to keep, you know, controlling their own destiny in the NLC girls soccer, they got to win Thursday. But Northwood's playing well. They're 5-1-1 one, and one overall. Goshen is 6-4, and four, but 4-1 four and one in the NLC. So we'll see. It's going to be a fun game. I'm going to be there Thursday night. So... You're going to catch Fairfield Volleyball in person on Thursday night. Sydney Stutzman just got her 2,000th assist. Former Goshen News Athlete of the Week, Sydney Stutzman from Fairfield Volleyball. She didn't Volleyball. get Athlete of the Week for that. She got her 2,000th assist. Maybe we should have waited a week. I know, we should have waited a week. That's fine. Uh, yeah, speaking of Athlete of the Week, we have a new one this week. We can announce the uh, poll results. 999 votes we had this week. One short of 1,000. I didn't even vote. I didn't vote either. If we I, needed one if vote If I had known that we were that close, I would have hopped on and voted. Uh, but Zoe Willems, Zoe Williams, Zoe Willems, Willems is what? her last name. <laughs> wow. Let's restart that. This okay. I me. think it's Zoe Willems, but I always think it's Zoe Willems. But it's Zoe Williams. W- Willems. Jesus H. Hank, I'm sorry. <laughs> I keep on saying your name wrong. Bethany Christian can find me if they want. Giving, I'm sorry. You're giving Sheila a lot of work. Willems. For this We're going to keep this all in. I'm sorry. Hank, and, Hank will laugh. Hank will laugh. Zoe, Zoe Willems. There you go. Is our athlete of the week. I'm going to blame Hank for naming her daughter like that. I mean, it's just like a too many letters. Too, too confusing. Congratulations to Zoe. Winning athlete of the week this week presented by Play It Against Sports. 
She won an impressive fan vote this week, the most votes we've had in the three weeks we've done it so far. Thank you to everybody who's voting and really getting behind this. Yes. I can feel a lot of good energy about this right now. It's just been a lot of fun to do this. I know Evan and I are having a good time kind of sitting down, putting our minds together, and picking the athletes of the week to nominate. Uh, it's kind of fun to track who's doing well, who's doing, you know, I guess not. We don't track who's doing not well, but who's doing well. Um, Zoe this past week had six total goals. She scored two in a game in a 5-1 win over South Bend Riley on Thursday, and then had four in a game over Bremen, or four in a 4-4 tie with Bremen on yep. Saturday. Uh, Bethany Christian's been battling some injuries this year. They're a little shorthanded. Uh, Coach Hank Willems said they're down to like 13 players at this point, which is not ideal when you put 11 on the field in soccer. Uh, mm-hmm. Not many substitutions, uh, but Zoe's having a good season there. She had a really good week, and she won our fan vote over Isaiah Hostetler from Westview, Sybil Stilson from Northwood. Uh, Isaiah plays boys tennis, I should mention that. Stilson, obviously, girls golf. Mm-hmm. Jonathan Eastep, we mentioned Fairfield football. And Roman Schrock, Goshen football, also was nominated. So congratulations to all five athletes that were nominated this past week. Uh, but congratulations to Zoe for winning uh, Athlete of the Week. Presented by Play It Against Sports. She gets a $20 gift card to Play It Against Sports uh, for her win. So congratulations. Do they have a slogan? Uh Play it again, sports. Play it again. I don't know. I don't know the sponsor. We need to find it out. We got to figure out what there's. Yeah, if they want us to write an ad, if they want an ad read or something, we could we could write. They could write something up. We could say it. So. That's what I'm saying. I know. It feels just really strange just to be like sense. play it again, sports. Yeah. That's it. Like, <laughs> <laughs> no, nothing else. Uh, thanks to them for being a great sponsor, though, uh, for this athlete of the week award and giving the gift cards. Uh, it's been very cool, and so we're looking forward to presenting Zoe with her. Certificate and her gift card later this afternoon after we did, after we get done taping here. So, not right after, but later after. <laughs> that makes sense. Later today. Yes. Which is Wednesday. Yes. Okay. Uh, he's been patiently sitting there looking at his phone, looking at all the trivia question answers. I'm sure. Uh, Dylan Sin, you can actually start talking now. Um, we're done with our local content. Dylan. Uh, Dylan Sin is the. We'll call him like the Indiana, the Swiss Army knife, college, the college, the college, the college sports reporter for the Fort Wayne Journal Gazette. He mostly covers Notre Dame football and now you men's basketball, but dabbles into Purdue football, Indiana football, uh, Purdue basketball. No one cares about Notre Dame basketball, so we don't cover them. Um, Depends. I care, Mike Bray. If you're listening to this, I care. <laughs> you went. You went to one game when Zion played. Okay, congratulations. Yeah, uh, you were there for Zion and nobody else. Way to go, uh, Dylan. Welcome to the program. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I would like to say I consider myself the Josh Lug of the wow. uh, of the Journal Gazette. What you an know? inside. What an inside reference that like three people are gonna get. I, I, and, <laughs> and two of them are in the room. There. So. There you go. It, it, mm-hmm. I, I'm. I'm playing to my audience you're the swiss army that, that, that's podcasting one-on-one for you guys yeah. who want to learn the biz out there both both you gentlemen cover notre dame football obviously uh, people know that evan does sometimes and i, and I just said that dylan <laughs> is the reporter uh so i'm gonna ask both you guys you were both there on saturday at notre dame stadium the first time fans could be back in the stadium uh they showed out in minimal force uh, only sixty-two thousand in the building uh there was a big you know Hubbabaloo about their uh, sellout streak being broke two years ago, and now they're barely getting 60000 in the building. Hubbabaloo. Hubbabababaloo. <laughs> um, yeah. Anyway, uh, the, the fans that did show up got treated to an interesting contest. Uh, Dylan, how would you assess 
what transpired at Notre Dame Stadium this past Saturday. Notre Dame, by the way, 32-29 over Toledo. Uh, how would you assess what happened? Yeah, I, I guess the biggest thing is it was more of the same from Notre Dame, right? There was, mm-hmm. a, against Florida State, we they we saw the offensive line was a little bit shaky, and we saw they gave up a lot of big plays. And that was the exact same thing that happened against Toledo, except the offensive line was even worse than it was against Florida State because Blake Fisher was out mm-hmm. at left tackle. He's going to be out for quite a long time. Uh, Michael Carmody is now starting at left tackle. He also got hurt. Uh, it's not clear whether he's going to play this week against Purdue, which we'll get into. But, uh, yeah, the offensive line for so long in Notre Dame was uh, their strong point. That was what right. Brian, Brian Kelly has done, is recruited on the offensive line. And it's just a weak point this year. I think we're, we're far enough in that we can say that now. There's only two games. Let's, I mean, it, uh, Two games against some uh, teams that don't apparently have great defensive fronts. Yeah. I, I, I feel like... Well, aren't supposed, it's not supposed to be three-point games. Right. They weren't right. supposed to be three-point games in either instance, yeah. but they right. were because, right. and that was a big reason. Right. And Jack Cohn got sacked six times. Uh, they really helped that Tyler Buckner came in and provided a little bit of a spark in the run game. But yes, it was... Uh, it, it was not the type of performance that Notre Dame wanted. Uh, after the Florida State game, Evan and I talked about this after the Florida State game, Brian Kelly emphasized that he wanted his players to enjoy winning because winning is hard, right? Right. After the Toledo game, he was not nearly as positive. He said that there were things they need to work on. They have a lot to work on. He blamed himself for not having enough intensity. So I feel like there are going to be changes this week. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, you you mentioned Tyler Buckner kind of came in the game. And, uh, you know, it was kind of funny. We were, we were all watching the Bears and the Rams game on Sunday night. And... You know, we kind of made a lot of comparisons between what the Bears did on offense and what Notre Dame kind of did with Bears were trying to bring in Justin Fields to, like, change a pace or whatever. Evan, uh, but Tyler Buckner obviously had a lot more success um, than Justin Fields. I mean, Justin Fields had five <laughs> Justin snaps. Fields would have had success if, if he, he was if given he more of snaps, a shot. You right. Know? Uh, how, much, how much did Tyler Buckner really change that game, you think, Evan, on, on Saturday? He really brought a spark, I'm not going to lie, honestly. I really didn't think – because, you know, he's a freshman, young guy – you don't know how much he's going to give to the game, obviously, especially when they bring him in and they're on their own four-yard line. I'm like, I don't know how many coaches would have, you know, I don't want to use the word, but you know what I'm saying, to, to put a freshman quarterback. The guts. The guts there you go. <laughs> Thank you. I couldn't think of that word. Uh, to put a freshman quarterback in that situation at, you know, so deep in their own territory. But right away, 36-yard run, and he ran for 73 rushing yards on seven attempts. Three for three for 78 yards with the touchdown. And, you know, he really opened up the run game, too, because the defense was – they had to respect Buckner's running ability, so that opened up lanes for mm-hmm. guys like Kyron Williams and Chris Tyree. It's still not to where they want it to be, obviously, but they went from 65 yards to 132, and obviously Buckner was a big reason for that. So right. I, the expectation is that Buckner is going to continue to get, you know, packages and, you know, playing time moving forward because – because of what he did you know, at, on Saturday, obviously. At, at this rate, I mean, I'm going to ask Dylan this. Should Buckner just start? Like, if he's just going to have – if he's the reason why they're going to have a run game, should he just start and play all the snaps? I think there's a case to be made, but I think Jack Cohn has played well enough that you don't make a change yet. Uh, the other thing is we have not really seen Buckner's arm a whole lot. We, we saw a couple passes. Evan mentioned he went three for three, which is exactly right. The thing is, all three of those plays were kind of – they were set up by the run game. Right. Um, they were plays where the the defense was clearly expecting. I think this is a big thing. Toledo was not 
prepared for Tyler Buckner. They had not seen any of him on film. They did not know what he brought to the table. Mm -hmm. And their defense was very confused about what to do against him. For the only time all day, they were really confused. Mm -hmm. And I think once teams see him on film, those runs are not going to be there nearly as much. Mm -hmm. And so you're going to have to throw the ball a little bit to keep keep teams honest. Mm -hmm. We haven't seen his arm a ton. I was not super impressed with it in fall camp. Mm -hmm. He made a couple good throws against Toledo, but nothing special. And I think Jack Cohn has done a really good job in the passing game. And I think given a week to to, un, to kind of take in the fact the offensive line isn't particularly good, I think Brian Kelly and Tommy Reese will come up with some ways to move the pocket, get him some more time, and that's the most effective offense for Notre right. Dame right and now. Buckner, like, you know, technically had a 55-yard touchdown pass, but it was a swing pass right to Tyree, and he ran. Eight yards through the air, right, yeah. Right. So, like, the stats will look like he threw well, like, yardage-wise. He could have still missed the pass. He, could, he, mean, he still could have, but, like, you see a 55-yard touchdown pass, and you're like, oh, he threw it 50 yards down he threw the field. it for, like, 15 yards. Yeah. yeah. and It, it was yeah. still a good pass, but, you know, like I said, like, a lot of yards after catch, obviously, on that play. Right. So, mm-hmm. And it was very obvious that play was set up by the run. Toledo completely bit on the fake, where Buckner kind of juked toward the line like mm-hmm. he was going to run himself, and they threw it over their head. Yeah. The rocker so, step. Yes, yeah. the rocker stuff. That's exactly what it was. <laughs> so uh, we kind of already have answered this question, but I'm going to ask it again anyway because I have it written down. Uh, Evan, what do you think is the biggest issue right now with Notre Dame in general? Um, there's one big issue on both sides of the ball. You can answer, you can take one and he'll take the other. Dylan will take the other. Okay. There you go. You, you, you pick, Evan. I'll take the other one. <laughs> well, Obviously, on the offensive side of the ball, you could talk about the running game, but because the running game, ha- running game hasn't been great because of the offensive line. Yeah. You know, they lost four starters from a year ago, so you already knew there's going to be growing pains early this season because of that. But then you couple the fact that they're down to their third string left tackle and Tosh Baker, I mean, that doesn't help. So, I mean, obviously, the offensive line right now is the issue. Jared Patterson talked to us yesterday at media. He said, every year I've been here, I've had injuries, you know. It doesn't matter at this point. We're confident in the players we have. We know we have to play better. So, I mean, they know they're not playing up to standards. It's just whether can they, you know, put their money where their mouth is and get it done in the games. So, mm-hmm. and then Dylan, I, defensively, yeah, right, de- I think it's pretty glaring what their issue is on that side of the ball. Yeah, de- defensively, I'm going to bring out Pete Sampson from the Athletic. I'm going <laughs> to bring out his favorite stat, which he's uh, said multiple times over the last week or so. But Notre Dame has given up four plays this year in two games of 60 yards. Uh, or more. That is the exact same number as they gave up in three years under Clark Lee as the defensive coordinator. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, big plays have been an issue. There have been coverage breakdowns. There have been busts. Brian Kelly said prior to the game against Toledo that he thought those would get fixed as the season goes on because Marcus Freeman's defense is one where all 11 players have to be locked in at all times. And when they are, you're going to get a lot of negative plays, a lot of what Notre Dame calls havoc plays, right. um, turnovers and tackles for loss. But if you have someone who isn't really sure where they're supposed to be going, you are going to have coverage breakdowns. And so that's what happened. And it's going to happen more often early in the year because Notre Dame is still adjusting to this new defense. It's very different from what Clark Lee ran. A lot of the players were recruited to run Clark Lee's scheme. Right. So, I don't want to necessarily call Clark Lee's defense boring, but like it kind of was it boring. Was, like, yes. don't give up the big play, but we're not going to like necessarily get a ton of sacks. Like, Isaiah Foskey is going to maybe have like 10 plus axes here just because they're going to be blitzing 85% of the time. We're like, I don't know if anyone had 10 sacks on Notre Dame in the last couple of years. I can't right. think of it off the top of my head at this point. Like, yeah. 
You know, so you just like it's a boomer bust defense. Maybe the most boomer bust defense I've ever seen. Yeah, personally, just through two games. And I know? I do wonder if they're going to dial that back somewhat just because of the issues they have. But I think Freeman has absolutely decided they have the horses to run that defense, and mm-hmm. it's just a question of everyone getting on the same page. Right. I think that's the calculation he's made. Right. So uh, Purdue comes to town this week. Uh, first time Purdue and Notre Dame are playing since 2014. Uh, oh, that's Dylan, not a trivia question. That's not a trivia question. Nope. Um, all It'll the be easy part ones. of a tribute. What? <laughs> is it all the easy ones? Well, <laughs> well, I mean, maybe it is a tribute question. Maybe I'm just going to give you a sprinkle. There's a teaser. Um, a Evan, you you saw Purdue play Oregon State week one. Uh, they beat Oregon State, the Beavers, and then they beat uh, Joliet Junior College on Saturday, also known as UConn. And um, so you can't take anything it. from that UConn game. Dylan did. If you're going to give like a general kind of observation, assessment of Purdue, Dylan, what is kind of the overall view of Purdue? What does they don't have to worry about? Things like that. Yeah, I guess the biggest thing with Purdue is that they've kind of they kind of did the same thing Purdue did on defense this offseason for different reasons. They decided their defense was too passive, and they went out and they got rid of their defensive coordinator in Bob Diaco uh, and hired a former, guy. Former Notre Dame defensive coordinator. Former Notre Dame defensive <laughs> coordinator, yes, former UConn coach as well. Um, but yeah, they have they went out and got a guy in Brad Lambert from Marshall who is much much more aggressive. Their their plan is. We are going to get after the quarterback, and we're going to make his life miserable. That's the goal, and hope that the, the secondary is good enough to, to pick it up on the back end. And so far in two games, that's, they've done that. They've, done, they've given up a few big plays, but there's not a whole lot of uh, – there hasn't been a whole lot of busts. The, the defense is absolutely better than it was last year. You think about Jeff Brom having a good offensive scheme, and they have that as well. They have playmakers on the offensive side of the ball, especially David Bell, a wide receiver, who yeah. we'll talk about. Stud. You can talk about him right now. Absolute stud, yeah. Warren Central guy. Um, could have uh, maybe won Mr. Indiana football. Could have, yes. Lost to Jack Kaiser of Notre Dame. Yep, so absolutely. So a little, uh, little debate there. And Bronson Yoder from Northwood. Yes. That year also, great. Um, fourth in the Indiana football voting. But continue about David Bell, sorry. Yeah, David Bell, um, he's not Rondell Moore. That's the biggest thing to know about him. How many people are Rondell Moore? Exactly. I mean, but he's been almost as effective as Rondell Moore, just in a different way. He's a big wide receiver on the outside. He's a guy they just kind of throw it up to two or three times a game and say, David, go make a play. And against UConn, he did. He had two spectacular touchdowns uh, against UConn where he broke three or four tackles. He's really good at one of the best wide receivers I've ever seen at finishing runs and and getting yards after catch because he's not fast but very elusive. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's going to be a huge part of Notre Dame's game plan is slowing him down because if they're going to give up big plays against Purdue, it's going to be to him. Mm -hmm. And then George Karloftis, a defense Probably the, maybe the best defensive end Notre Dame will play all season. It, it, very possible, right? Um, probably the best defensive end they'll play until they play Ohio State at the start of next year. Oh, uh, they're uh, going to say like in the Fiesta Bowl or something. Yeah, they're that too. <laughs> Notre uh, Dame, Ohio possible. State, they might play in the Music City Bowl at this rate. <laughs> <laughs> so. But yes, George Karloftis is an extremely talented player. Likely will be a first-round pick if he decides to leave Purdue after this season. He is kind of their Isaiah Foskey type guy. He doesn't drop in coverage nearly as much. He's bigger than Foskey is. But he's the guy that when they bring uh, pressure... He's the guy that gets home, mm-hmm. and he's been an absolute terror in the first two games. He doesn't have the sack numbers yet, but he has made Oregon State and UConn. He has made their quarterbacks' lives absolutely miserable to the point that I wrote, I wrote after the Oregon State game that Oregon State played two quarterbacks, and I thought they're both going to see George Karloftis in their nightmares. He was in will. that backfield the entire game, and that's going to be a huge problem for Notre Dame. Yeah, um, Evan, do you want to give any predictions on the game? We'll do predictions for both 
guys. Evan, we'll start with you. You got a prediction, maybe? Mm-hmm. Notre Dame, Purdue. This is a, only a seven point favorite is Notre Dame. They uh, Vegas odds makers not totally in love with Notre Dame after their first two weeks of play. Can Purdue pull an upset? What are your thoughts? Well, the spread is seven. Notre in favor of Notre Dame, minus seven. Um, I like the game to go into the 20s for each team. I mean, both teams have shown that they can score the ball. Uh, so I'm going to say 28-24 Notre Dame. Mm, plus seven Purdue. Got it. Mm-hmm. All right. Evan or Dylan? Any uh, game predictions? I know you said you were 50-50 before we came on the air. Yeah. 48-52 yeah. more, more specifically. <laughs> I, um, I actually agree very, very much with what Evan just said. I think I think he's right on all counts. I would say I would, the score that I was going to give when you said let's give a score, I was going to say 28-26. Whoa. So I, 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 I think twenty six. Yeah, I, I think it's maybe uh, Purdue has a uh, Notre Dame has a lead. Purdue scores a late touchdown, goes for two, and doesn't get it, and that's how we end up with a winner. Okay. Why would they? It has to be twenty eight twenty if they're going to go for two yeah. and be at twenty six. Okay. Yeah. Okay, that makes sense. All right. Well, so you just predicted Purdue to win? Is no, I, pr- I predicted Notre Dame to win. So you no, it's Notre Dame to win. Purdue to go two. for two. Right. It's going to yeah. be twenty eight twenty Notre Dame. Purdue scores. Okay. Go for two. Don't get it. Yep. Like Fosky on, a, Fosky on a sack or something, probably. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Now it's time to play Notre Dame-Purdue trivia. Notre Dame-Purdue series trivia. Evan and Dylan, you will be given 10 questions. Uh, I will read them. There's a total of 26 points available in this game. So you guys have been studying hard, I know. Um, I'll be lucky to get one. I'll, just, <laughs> I'll be happy if I get one of these right. This will be entertaining, I promise, I hope. Um, so I'm going to read the questions. You're going to write down your answers. And then when you're both done, just holler or whatever, or not say done, I guess. And then we'll read them. And then there will be bonus questions potentially on some of these. So we'll go from there. Uh, you have to get the original question right to get the bonus points. You can't win the bonus points after the fact. So, sorry. Um, You've put a lot of thought into this. I have. So there's 26 total points available. Are you guys ready? The same number Purdue's going to score on Saturday. Yes. Okay. Yes. First question. How many times have Purdue and Notre Dame played against each other in football? Evan? Am I just flipping it or saying it? Just say it. it. Say it. 86. Dylan? 77. 86 is correct. Evan is the first point. (laughs) Bonus questions time. That's hilarious. Evan, you you can get up to two points here. Who are the only two teams Notre Dame has played more? This one I don't know, but I will guess. You can just you don't have to write those down. You can just guess. Army and Navy. Army is wrong. Navy is correct. So, so I get half. What? Do I get half a point? How's that? You work? get one point. You got Navy right. You don't. You didn't Who's get Army the other right. team? USC. I was gonna say those are the three. <laughs> they have played Navy ninety-three times, USC ninety-one times, and this will be the eighty-seventh meeting. They've only played Purdue eighty-six times, obviously. It'll be eighty-seventh meeting. So Evan is up two nothing. So congratulations. How's it feel, Dylan? Yeah, I, I, I'm sweating over over here, especially since Austin said the questions were going to get more difficult as we go on. <laughs> Notre Dame and Purdue play for the Shillelagh Trophy. When was the trophy first introduced to the rivalry? What year? <laughs> if you looked at the Wikipedia page, you might have a decent chance. Evan? 1957. Dylan? 1953. Evan is correct. 1957 was correct. That's no extra points in that one. Sorry. That's fine. I could have thought of like who created the trophy. That would have been way too hard. Um, the name okay. of the trophy would have been hard. 
because I can't, I couldn't pronounce it. I was Shillelagh? like, pronounce that thing. Shillelagh? Shillelagh. Also yeah. play for a Shillelagh against USC. That might come up later. Question three. There have only been one instance in rivalry history where the teams came in ranked number one and number two. What year did that happen? What year did Purdue and Notre Dame play where they were ranked number one and number two? 19. Well, write it down. Yeah, I forgot. I was just going to say it. Write it down. This is, this is a total guess. And then, I guess you could show your, flip your cards over when you if you get it right. Okay. Evan? 72. Dylan? 1967. Both wrong. 1968 oh. was the year it happened. We were actually pretty close. Purdue, number one Purdue beat number two Notre Dame, 37-22 in South Bend. So, how about that? Okay, question four. So far, Evan's up 3 nothing. by the way. Uh, total of 26 points up for grabs. We've already gone through eight of them. Um, Notre Dame and <laughs> Purdue last played in 2014. What city was the game played in? So it wasn't either college town? Is that what you're trying to what say? What city was the game played in in 2014? <laughs> Write it down. Give me your answers. Is this a layup question? No. Maybe. I don't know. Is it? Evan? I hope it is. West Lafayette? Nope. West Lafayette. I, my, my answer is West Lafayette as well. You're both wrong. It was in Indianapolis. Uh, they played in the Shamrock Series game in Indianapolis. Notre Dame was a 30-14 to 14 winner. In 2014? In 2014. Yeah, you should have just said it was a score or something. <laughs> no. Come on, man. There's like five cities. Three cities could have been played in at this point. Okay, question five. Brian Kelly was the Notre Dame coach last time these two teams played. Obviously... Who was the Purdue coach? <laughs> I'm guessing Evan doesn't know that. <laughs> Dylan, do you even want to take a guess? Uh, Daryl Hazel. Daryl Hazel is correct. Daryl Hazel was the Purdue coach. Now, Dylan is on the board. Three to one. This, this is an audio medium, but you should see the look on Evan's well, face. I think, as, we, heard, as, I think <laughs> we heard the pen. I think we heard the pen at the table. Okay, we're one, two, three, four, five. Question six, man, we are flying through this. This is this has been quick. True or false? You got a 50-50 shot to get this. True or false? South Bend has been the location for the majority of the games played in the series. True or false? I guess you're gonna you can just say, you know what? I'm gonna just go one, two, three, same at the same time. Because if someone says true, they don't could say false and great, right, someone's guaranteed. So at the same time, say your answers. Three, two, one. False. False. False is correct. It's been played at Purdue 44 times, Notre Dame 40 times, Indianapolis twice. Thank so you both get a point. Evan, 4-2 to two on Dylan. Question 7. Notre Dame has the longest winning streak in the series at 11 games. What is Purdue's longest winning streak in the series? Why are you doing this? <laughs> Feel free to write your answers down and uh, share them with you, me once you figure, think you figured it out. Evan. Eight. Dylan. Three. Three is correct. Uh, three is correct. Bonus point, at, uh, Dylan, can you name either your range that they won their three straight games in? There's two. They won it twice. They won three in a row twice in series history. Can you name either three straight years? I'll give you one point if you can name either one. Two points if you can name them both somehow. 07 to 09. Nope. Look at you. We'll give you one more guess. Just You're for... pretty confident there. What happened? I was pretty confident. Notre Dame was bad. Purdue was decent. Yeah. That's um, a good guess. And 60, 68 to 70. 
Oh, you were close. Sixty-seven to sixty-nine was the uh, third. I, I was, I was, I was Nin- wrong the other way Nin- the other time with 19, number one versus number two. Nineteen fifty-eight to nineteen sixty was the other okay. uh, year range. Okay, so Evan is up four to three with three questions to go, but there are a lot of points to be won in these last couple questions. We have a barn burner, folks. Does that mean they're even harder than the ones that are? No, there's just some there's some bonus questions. Um, okay, question eight: Which Notre Dame coach has the most wins against Purdue? can write down your answer whenever you feel confident in this answer. Which may be never, but you're going to write it down anyway. We'll start with Dylan. Lou Holtz. Evan. Lou Holtz. Lou Holtz is correct. They both, they, they went, that 11-game winning streak that I referenced, all Lou Holtz wins. Bonus points. Here we go. You ready? So we're both getting a chance for the bonus? Yes. Uh, we will, um, I don't know, we'll write them down. Write them down, and then... Name the other two Notre Dame coaches who are unbeaten against Purdue. Minimum two games coached. Obviously, like some people won like one and zero. That doesn't count. Unbeaten. Name minimum. the Purdue coaches who or the Notre Dame coaches who are who are undefeated against Purdue. Minimum two games. Minimum two games coached. Write your answers Write down. Them down. Yes. So this is worth one point if you get both of them right. Evan's laughing for some reason. He always laughs. So, Evan, do you want to try your best uh, guess at this? Is Brian Kelly one? I also have Brian Kelly written Brian down. Kelly is one of them, correct? <laughs> He's 5-0. Second, oh. second one. Charlie Weiss. Charlie Weiss. <laughs> I actually I have Ty Willingham. Ty Willingham is incorrect. You both were wrong. The other coach is Newt Rockney. Oh, <laughs> I was going to say that. Newt Rockney is 6-0 oh <laughs> against Purdue uh, back in the day. Gosh, guys, it's too obvious. Man. But they <laughs> were good on. back in the day, so I didn't think he was... Uh, yeah, they played Purdue a couple times Sorry during Rockney's era. Sheila's going to be like, thanks a lot. For thanks for that podcast. The yeah, <laughs> Question nine. This, is, this might be the toughest one. I'm, I'm sorry in advance. Who are the only two Notre Dame coaches in series history to have a losing record against Purdue? Minimum two games coached. There are two coaches, like I said, who have a losing record all time against Purdue as a Notre Dame head coach. Write your answers down, and we'll go from there. Evan, you want to guess? Charlie Weiss and Dan Devine. Both those are incorrect. Sorry. I'm going to do the coaches that everyone brings up when talking about things that didn't go so well for Notre Dame. Uh, Jerry Faust. Yep. And Terry Brennan. Incorrect. Jerry Faust went two and three. One. And one of your other guesses went it's one Ty, and two. Ty, Ty Willingham went one and two. <laughs> are we tied right now? Uh, do we get? Are we going to get a? Do I give you a half point for that one? Yeah, I, I don't know Faust? what the score what the scoring so is. So you on would that be one. you would I, I'll give you a half for getting Jerry Faust. Okay. You get one point for getting them both right. So we are at Evan five, Dylan four and a half as we mm. go into the final question. Oh man, ten total points are up for grabs in this. I still think I should get half a point for saying sixty eight when the answer was sixty seven. <gasps> no, nope, nope. Sorry, your mileage may vary. Okay. This is one where I'm going to have to, like, you guys are going to have to write this down, and I want you to bring them to me afterwards. That way I know what your answers are so I can read them, okay? As mentioned previously, Notre Dame and Purdue play for the Shillelagh Trophy. Who are the other five teams Notre Dame plays where a trophy is on the line? You get one point for each correct school guess, and one point each if you can name the trophy that they actually play for. So we'll give you some time to answer these questions. So you're looking for five schools and five trophy names. Should be interesting, I think. 
We'll give you some time. We'll play the do 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 do. Are we including Purdue? Dude, Purdue is not included. I already <laughs> mentioned they play for the Shillelagh Trophy. The other five traveling trophies, Notre Dame has them all in their collection as of now. As of this recording, they have all six inside the walls of the Google whatever complex, whatever they call that place, the Goog. Um, Google Elmino. Google Elmino. Uh, so you can list your five schools, and if you know the trophies as well, the names of the trophies, you get points for that. So up to 10 points. Awarded when you're done, when you feel confident in your uh, you answers. Five other schools outside of Purdue. Yes, they play five. five other trophy games. Five other teams they have trophies with. Some they still play annually. Some they don't play annually anymore. If you can name the trophies with them as well, you get points for that too. When you're done with your answer, bring them over to me. I'm just going to have to pray that. Because <laughs> I don't know the names of any of the trophies. <laughs> to be well, honest. I do feel dumb for giving out one of the answers to this earlier. Yeah. Yeah. You gave. You gave. Evan. I think you said it was. Didn't you say it was the same name? Pretty sure you said it was the same name. Well, similar name. It's similar. Notre Dame, same. Purdue, Notre Dame and Purdue play for the Shillelagh Trophy. And they play USC for. I mean that's that's the easy one. He knows he's got that written down already. It's hey, he's got two points probably already in the yeah. bag. So uh, okay, this is good audio right now. I'm writing answers down. So I'm feeling I'm feeling good. Do you have to have five guesses? What if you have like six or seven? And you you have to have only five. You can give me five guesses. You can't write down everything <laughs> they've played ever. <laughs> well, you're gonna get some of them right. So. Notre Dame, and there are six traveling trophies. Purdue and the Shillelagh Trophy, name the other five teams and trophies that they play for. Okay. Give you about 15 maybe seconds, 15 more seconds, 20 more seconds. If that. Congrats on the win, Dylan. Once you're feeling confident or, or just <laughs> done with your answer, feel free to bring them over to me, and uh, we will go from there. All I have is team names. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that might be enough. You never know. So I don't think it will be. Okay. Here we go. This is where we decide the the men from the boys. All right. <laughs> okay. Evan picked USC, Navy, Indiana, Michigan, Michigan State. Three of those are correct. You got USC right, Navy right, Michigan State right. Uh, they do not play. They do not have trophies for Indiana or Michigan. I'm surprised they don't have a trophy for Michigan, honestly. I was surprised by that as well a little bit. Um, Dylan, USC, Stanford, Michigan State, Navy, Boston College. All five of those are correct. That's their five trophy games. One, two, three, four, five. Dil- Dylan has already won. He's up yeah. nine and a half <laughs> to eight at this point. Yeah. We'll see how many of these he got correct. Uh, USC's Jewel Shillelagh, that is correct. So that is a point. He said that earlier. Jewel Shillelagh, Shillelagh, it's so stupid. They're the same thing. Uh, Stanford has not played for the big tree. <laughs> Stanford, they played the Stanford for the Legends Trophy. Mm-hmm. Michigan State has not played for Paul, Paul Bunyan's axe. That is Michigan and Wisconsin, I think. <laughs> uh, or Wisconsin and Minnesota or something. I think yeah. it's Michigan, Michigan State, actually. Uh, Michigan State. And Notre Dame played for the Megaphone Trophy. Uh, they haven't played since 2016. 
Uh, Navy is not. Is, he wrote Commander's Trophy. That is incorrect. That's the Army, Army Navy Air Force trophy that travels between them. The Navy trophy is called the Rip Miller Trophy, which I did not know really existed until like when I looked it up this morning. <laughs> um, and then Boston College, you did not list a trophy name for that. They play for the Leahy Bowl, the Frank Leahy Bowl. Uh, called the Holy War, things like that. So, with a big last answer, Dylan, ten and a half points, beats out Evan at eight. Congratulations, Dylan. Do you want to? You have a victory speech prepared or something? Nope. I'm okay, just cool. I'm, I'm just here so I don't get fined. <laughs> Thank you, Dylan. All right, great speech. All right, so, uh, man, Evan started strong. Man, he got the first two right and uh, kind of faltered on the stretch. How you feeling there? Pretty salty. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> well, a little bit of research on the Wikipedia page, you would have gotten some more of these correct. So that's not, where I used not all the my... rivalries. That's why I got the first few right. <laughs> yeah. Well, hey, technically, they're... Notre Dame has like 13 rivals. At least so. I got a few of them right, I suppose. Yeah, USC and Navy. Those are the easy ones. Stanford, you know, they play them every year. So at the end of the season, usually, or they flip between that and USC. Uh, Michigan State, that megaphone trophy. I wish they played that more often. That's kind of a cool trophy. Yeah. Um, They've had some gonna... really good games in that in that rivalry in right. the last 20 years or so. Right, right. So, yeah, the BC one is tricky. That one never really comes up, I feel like, as a Notre Dame I didn't rival. even know that was a rivalry. Riv- right. People don't really think of it as a rivalry, but, I mean, I think Dylan might have benefited from Notre Dame playing Boston College last year, so there was yeah. talk about it. And I think Kelly drank, like, something out of the bowl, right? So, yeah. I uh, drank like orange juice or something out of the bowl. I forgot what he drank. Um, it was a really big deal in the 80s, especially when Boston College had some really good teams. Right, with Doug Flutie and company yeah. and stuff like that. Uh, so, yeah, that was fun. I think I had a good time. Well, the questions weren't that hard. They were There were some challenging ones, okay? But I think it was pretty, uh, you know, fair. Yeah. Would you agree? Would you agree it was fair? I, I think I think it was it was relatively fair, you know. Um, I I just like to point out that I came into hostile territory here and won. Hostile so. territory. It's just yeah. hot in here. Like okay, like like, like <laughs> Notre Dame hot, like Notre Dame territory. beating Florida State at uh, yeah, at, and you, and you only won by three, so you know I, I actually did. two and a half technically. And so. you could say I kicked the game winning field goal at the end there. You did with, kick the game winning field goal at the end. Yes, you did to go up nine and a half to eight. So. Uh, congratulations, Dylan, on your win. Uh, that obviously means Dylan's the better beat reporter for Notre Dame than Evan is. So, of course, mm. I would have gotten all of these right, of course. They were I, pretty even. I would have <laughs> dominated this, this trivia questions. Uh, well, that'll, so. that'll wrap up this edition of the Goshen News Sports Podcast. Thank you, Dylan Sin, Fort Wayne Journal-Gazette, for coming in and visiting with us and having some fun playing some Notre Dame-Purdue trivia. And uh, we will be back next week to recap all the things happening in the local sports scene. Notre Dame plays Purdue. Uh, yes, that's happening on Saturday. Girls golf sectionals. Uh, football happening, obviously, this Friday. Anything else that wants to happen, sure. We'll talk about it then, too. Uh, see you next week. <laughs>